0: Visit www.baesystems.com/fastlabs. Welcome to From the Crow's Nest, a podcast on electromagnetic spectrum operations or EMSO. I'm your host, Ken Miller, Director of Advocacy and Outreach for the Association of Old Crows. You can follow me on Twitter at FTC and host. Thanks for listening. In this episode of From the Crow's Nest, we are here at day two of AOC 2023, the 60th annual international symposium and convention. And I am pleased to have with me three special guests. The first will be AOC senior analyst, Matt Thompson. I'll sit down with him to talk about some of the sessions and keynote speakers that he's participated in um, and get his thoughts on some of the main messages throughout the convention this week. And then I welcome Retired Major General David Gatica from the US Air Force, and retired Colonel William Dollar Young, the former commander of the 350 Spectrum Warfare Wing. They both join me to talk about their session on achieving EMS superiority. All right, so to get things started, I am here with Matt Thompson, AOC Senior Analyst. Uh, Matt, great to have you here on From the Thanks for uh, stopping by for a few minutes in between all the sessions. It's great to have you on the show.
1: Yeah, thanks, Ken. It's good to be back. It's uh, it's always fun.
0: So, so to begin, uh, here on day two, we just wrapped up our opening keynote session uh, for day two, and we, we, we had the honor of having the Secretary of the Navy, uh, Carlos Del Toro, here, as well as Vice Admiral Stephen Kohler, uh, Director for Strategic Plans and Policy at J5. Uh, both gave very... Uh, important, tremendous uh, speeches this morning. Could you tell us a little bit about what you gleaned from their from their remarks?
1: Yeah. So first, I think it's uh, it's very exciting. So you know, I got to meet uh, the SecNav, helped walk them in. You know, had some uh, pre-read on his speech, so I kind of had some ideas of what he was going to talk about. Uh, but I, I think it's pretty amazing the the leadership that is here uh, supporting electronic warfare. Uh, looking at the MSO and the the, uh, the future, so he talked about you know some technologies that are in place, some things that we're pursuing, some resource discussions, uh, and then basically he left some uh, some of that technical discussion to Vice Admiral Keller, who kind of picked up and kind of took that gauntlet forward with a little bit more of the uh, the initiatives that are underway and some of the kind of like leadership things that are happening, uh, as well as where some uh, resources and, and money are being spent. So uh, so it's pretty good.
0: And and so one of the the recurring themes that we keep talking about so far this week is this idea of needing to address persistent gaps and across the services, joint force, as well as with our allied partners and coalition partners. What has been your take on some of the discussions about how the services, how um, our our allies are, are addressing some of these persistent gaps in ways that Really, kind of point to the fact that maybe we're actually starting to figure it out and and, and making some enduring change uh, to assure EMS superiority.
1: Yeah, so Vice Admiral Kohler talked about it a little bit, right? He admitted that, you know, one, technology is moving really fast, uh, that, you know, there are some uh, some challenges in our procurement cycle. And the second half mentioned that as well, you know, but, you know, he mentioned checks and balances, but they also basically identified some initiatives where we can speed that process up, where we can get things in place faster. Uh, and also, they both kind of you know touched on the interoperability of, of different vendors and you know third party, and all of us kind of working together to get kind of a unified response, uh, which would allow us to do it faster.
0: And, and so this afternoon, uh, throughout the rest of the day, there's a number of symposium breakout sessions. We have one uh, on uh, achieving EMS superiority, uh, and I guess like I, I, the, the to, to uh, I had the pleasure to sit down with. I had the pleasure to sit down with Colonel Dollar Young and General Gatica. Talk about their session. There's also sessions on artificial intelligence, machine learning, the role of, of advanced technology. There, we have STEM sessions. Uh, what are you looking forward to today on day two, uh, to basically build on on, on the remarks that uh, were shared with you this morning?
1: Yeah, so that's a that's a great question. So. Uh my schedule actually has me hosting the afternoon sessions for, for the tech panel. So a lot of those technological things that you're talking about, you know, I'm going to be hosting and facilitating those discussions. So I'll get like firsthand uh, information of what's happening, what's new, you know, where the industry is going, some things that uh, are on the horizon. Uh, so I think that'll be a really fun afternoon.
0: What, would, what do you want to hear from them? Uh, you know, given where you're at now the, and, and from your position as uh, AOC analyst, uh, and not knowing exactly what they're going to say yet, because uh, obviously we haven't had the sessions yet, but what do you want them to say? What would, what would help you walk away there uh, with the energy that, yes, we have a positive message to share?
1: Yeah, so I think the, you know, one of the constant themes that I see is, you know, I think we've identified the problems well. I think we know what the gaps are. Um, and, you know, I, the thing I really want to hear is, how do we take that next step? Like, how do we start putting these things in action? You know, what does the timeline for that look like? you know, is this a five-year, a 10-year solution? Or are we going to look at 18 months when we have, you know, this conference next year and things are going to be radically different? That's really what I want to hear is, you know, how do we take that next step towards action as opposed to just identifying gaps? Uh, we, we need to start closing some of them now.
0: Yeah. And so and so, coming out of AOC 2023, uh, we ha- we're we already putting pieces in place for uh, an active 2024. Uh, from an AOC perspective, you know, what are some of the the action items that you're taking out of this convention that you know our listeners and our the members of AOC can look forward to uh, in terms of where AOC is going to be going in the next year?
1: Yeah, so I was talking to Matt Poole a little bit yesterday. Uh, he's uh, one of the uh, brethren that I used to fly with. He lives in, in San Antonio. We were discussing the, uh, the workshop that's coming up on March 5th, that we're putting together. Uh, it's gonna be a small kind of one day episode down there uh, that we'll, myself and a few other people put together and, and talk about some EW things in the future. Uh, there's also, you know, obviously a few other AOC conventions coming up. Uh, I will be in attendance at the, uh, the, the EW conference in uh, Point Magoo next year as well. So I think, that, you know, as I attend those different events over the next few months, uh, throughout the next year, I really want to kind of follow up on that action and are we actually making progress or, you know, are we continuing to identify, identify, identify more gaps? Uh, which I think is going to be inevitable as we go, but we have to start closing some as well.
0: and I, I think that's very important because you know in years past sometimes it, it gets very easy to go from one event to another event to another event and 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 really not carry the message on. And, and, and provide that glue and, and that the ability to connect the dots uh, across our programs, across our events, and, and even within the, uh, the walls of a particular event across the sessions uh, that we have. Uh, so I appreciate you taking time here to join me. I'm gonna have you on the show quite frequently here in, in, in the coming yeah, years um, as we begin our subscription model or service as well. I'll be sitting down with you on a, on a regular basis, kind of providing a, okay. a, a, an analysis of what we're hearing uh, across, the defense industri- uh, de- across the defense industry and, and with everything going on in 2024. So I really thank you for taking time out to join me.
1: Yeah, you bet. I look forward to uh, following up and keeping tabs on how things go in the future. Great, well, thank you.
0: All right, my next guest, I'm very pleased to be joined by Major General David Gatica, retired U.S. Air Force. He's a former vice commander of 16th Air Force and former director of headquarters Air Force A5L, the Spectrum Superiority Directorate, as well as retired U.S. Air Force Colonel William Dollar Young, uh, who was the first commander of the Air Force 350 Spectrum Warfare Wing. Uh, Gentlemen, thanks for joining me here on From the Crow's Nest uh, from AOC 2023. It's great to have you on the show.
2: Ken thank you for, uh, for having us and thanks to AOC for everything that you all continue to do uh, for warfighters across the free world.
3: Absolutely I'll echo what, uh, what what Dollar said as well. It's fantastic to be here again. It's been a few years for me and uh, excited to be back
0: Well and, and the, the two of you are collaborating on a very important session kind of I, I look at it as more or less the the, the, the milestone of this convention on day two. Um, you know, advancing EMS superiority. Uh, Your session is going to provide a a tremendous uh, story arc to the history of everything that's been going on in DOD, but specifically the Air Force, from the Air Force perspective, because while there's a lot that's been going on in the Air Force, it has had implications across the Joint Force. Um, And so I want to get into that session a little bit, but you know, General Gaetega, you mentioned here, you know, it's been a few years since you you came here, but I think the first time we met or you spoke, that I can remember here on at AOC was about 2018, 2019. I think you were here with uh, General Wilson at the time. Uh, You're both talking right on the cusp of the Air Force ECCT, which is I'm. Um, the, the acronym is going to escape me. It's the Enterprise Collaboration... Capability Cap- Collaboration Team. Th- there you go. As
3: General Wilson will
0: probably say this afternoon, <laughs> the worst
3: acronym ever. in the history
0: of the Air Force. I, I have been saying that for several years. I still cannot get it down. I, I at least got the, the Enterprise piece. But um, you, you, you were announcing that as a key piece, as, 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 a, as a key advancement in how the Air Force is going to be starting to tackle some of the persistent gaps in EW. Um, and so now we're here five, six years later. Uh, and so... Going back to that point to kind of start, get your I w- I'd like to get your perspective on when you began that journey real quickly to where you are now. Like, Why was that the kind of, the, at least the critical piece, or, or was there something else going on that you'd like to highlight in terms of like the, the real start for a lot of the changes that the Air Force has seen on EW?
3: Well, well I appreciate it, uh, first and foremost. So uh, at that AOC in particular, I think it was General Wilson that announced it, and I was not yet... Um, part of the team that was going to do it. So that was actually a little bit of my f- first introduction to it as well, that General Wilson had said that the Air Force was going to do another ECCT, and it was, in fact, going to be on EW and EMS superiority. Um, but I think that, you know, for me, when you go back to that, I was soon notified after that, when I met with General Wilson, that I would be doing that, is, is I learned a lot about this community, the passion behind it, and, and the needs that we needed to do. Um, because quite, quite frankly, is um, it wasn't that we didn't have the expertise. And quite frankly, I would say it wasn't that we hadn't identified uh, many of the challenges ahead that we needed to do. It is that we had focused on other things for a number of years, which brought us to the point of, um, of a, a, not the greatest capability that we'd enjoyed in the past um, You know, years before in, in the United States Air Force and quite frankly, the DOD.
0: And, and, and so, so Dollar, you know, so your session this afternoon really kind of begins in 2018, kind of with that story arc. Um, you were the first commander of the 350th Spectrum Warfare Wing, uh, and, and you've passed the torch successfully to uh, Colonel Koslov, who I had on the show last month, a fantastic uh, gentleman who has really kind of carried on all the momentum. Um, could you tell us a little bit about what your main message is that you want to get across in your session. Um, you have obviously General Gatica, Gatica there. You also have General Wilson speaking in your in your session. You have you you have all the all the key players that to, to, to tell the story. So what do you hope to get across?
2: Yeah, again, Thank you. I think um, my main message is to tell the story, and the, I think it's so important to tell the story because um, there's a lot of challenges today. So, And especially as we look at uh, the explosion of technology, things that are going on globally, uh, the advancements in the electromagnetic spectrum, but even going beyond that, uh, the advances in artificial intelligence, uh, all that really, really plays out uh, in this uh, association of all crows, the folks that are here, if you listen to the talks that are going on, all, all that's in play. And, you know, if you don't have a a positive message, if all you do is look at the challenges, it's very, very easy to lose perspective on the fact that we've already come so far. Mm -hmm. And so my main goal uh, in this session is to tell the message of, look how far we've come. Yes, we're we're not to the promised land yet, uh, but we've come a long way. And so by putting folks like General Wilson, uh, General Gatica, on the stage to tell that story because they were there. They were the torchbearers mm-hmm. for the last mile. And so what I'm hoping to do is help hand off the baton to a new generation of torchbearers that have to go the next mile. Yeah. And so not only do I want to, ha- to see the baton handoff, but I want them to be inspired yeah. because there are such great stories of, of personal sacrifice. There are stories of individual leadership. Uh, so folks need to hear that.
0: And, and we uh, just previous to this session, I had the, the pleasure of uh, speaking with someone um, from the UK talk on our U.S. on our EW history segment that we're going to air uh, on LinkedIn. Um, and what's interesting is you you're talking about the 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 torchbearer, kind of the, the positive message. And you know, he was talking to, he was talking about the Falkland Islands and some of the it's like some of the challenges that they ran into. And, and these are some of the same challenges we're running into today. Um, and you need that positive, like, hey, you know, we have challenges that we have to continue to face. We've been facing a lot of these um, for for decades. Before we got started, though, you had mentioned something very critical because I was asking, you know, what is different about this effort today to efforts in the past where there's a lesson we learn it at least temporarily, and then we kind of forget it and it goes off. And you mentioned something that you know, the ECCT. Kind of launched in everywhere. It was it was no longer just about a widget. It was about kind of the enterprise, the the whole the whole big picture. Could you talk about that important distinction in terms of tackling this this problem here today?
2: Yeah, I think it's uh, culture. Uh, and, and General Gaiden can, can correct me if I'm wrong on this, but the third pillar of coming out of the ECCT was addressing culture. And so to address culture, you need an organization, which points to the standup of the, the Spectrum Warfare ring as really uh, beyond an operational organization. I got it, it's an org chart, but what's more important is that it becomes a place for people to grow people, to inculcate people, and so and to bring on those ideas. Because technology is gonna come and go, but, but it's that culture uh, that's going to potentially provide a sustainable competitive advantage if, we choose to take advantage of it.
3: Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more, Dollar. I think it's a it's a really important point, and for you to raise that that last piece because you know the third thing that we tried to pursue out of the ECCT was that increasing airmen's awareness of the electromagnetic spectrum and its importance to everything we had done. What I think uh, you know, going back to the discussion of history, is I think I don't know that people really appreciated when the when we cut the EF one eleven that wasn't just the hardware that went away. What ended up, what you ended up losing was the air crew, the maintainers, the developers that supported it and sustained it, all that huge community Mm -hmm. that enabled that to be successful um, was backed with tremendous knowledge and expertise. And so when you got, when we got rid of that aircraft, it was all of the, that community started to shrink. And some of those people went out into industry and carried that torch for a while as much as they could but as time goes on, there's fewer and fewer of those members. So it is important that we that we reestablish that. The spe- establishment of the Spectrum Warfare Wing was a deliberate attempt in doing that, as well as some of the um, educational initiatives we took in uh, across uh, across the Air Force, particularly through AETC.
0: And and I think education is, is, is extremely important because, you know, particularly at sh- uh, trade shows like going on here, there's a lot of technology. You walk up and down the aisles and everybody has a a, a great technology to showcase and you almost forget that it's the, you still need people. And, and I know that throughout the AOC, you know, in, in various projects I've worked on, you know, we raising that element of the importance of human intellectual capital. Cause once it goes away, it's not something that you can regenerate real quickly, especially in the EW world. It takes a lot of training. You have to stay with it and you have to kind of keep those people together because they have the operational experience. What, you know, You have the 350th, you have other, could you talk a little bit about some of the other milestones in the Air Force that have really gone into making sure that the people, you have the people in place for EMS superiority across the the, the Air Force?
3: Sure. I I think one thing in particular that that I want to highlight, and it also showed the importance kind of a little behind the scenes, is some of the challenges with the budget that you had in the United States Air Force um, during the time that the ECCT was was being um, conducted, and one of those things was uh, the EC thirty-seven Bravo, um, at, uh, and and uh, and of course, the, as it was named then anyway. Um, but when we were running through that program, it it was again getting considerable pressure. But because the ECCT um, and. General Wilson being our lead advocate and him being in the position he was, he ensured that that stayed in our budget and continued on to where we are today. But the importance of it is it shows that investment and it shows in the investment that continue to continue both in the airmen and everything that comes behind it and some of the technologies that we need to continue to advance in that. Um, And and I think those are really, really important. Um, And then the other part that you're seeing, when you look at what Colonel Kozlov is doing out of the 350th, and the recruiting that he's doing, trying to do the retention, trying to celebrate those that are in this business. There's lots of opportunity to pull people in. Yeah.
0: Uh, and so, so Dollar, you know, I know that you, uh, you recently passed the torch to Colonel Kozlov uh, earlier this year, um, and but you know, since then, you've you've obviously continued to remain active, particularly in in in, in this personnel in the in the workforce and and education and empowerment side of the equation. Could you talk a little bit about uh, what what how have you How have you focused your energy, uh, you know, in these recent months in terms of uh, working with what you hope is the next generation of leaders in the Air Force and the services on this front? And how does that play into your message for advancing EMS superiority?
2: Yeah, um, I've spent a, uh, again, first, as I've said before, you, you won't find a more blessed airman than I was and unto whom much is given, much is required. And so uh, there was a great deal that was poured into me um, throughout my career. Uh, Folks like General Wilson, General Gatica, awesome mentors that I had uh, that passed that on to me. And so it's my responsibility to now pass that on to the next generation of folks. Um, So I've taken the opportunity to do things like the Complex Emitter Summit, and just now being on this side and retired, uh, now I can wear the Dr. Young hat. And, uh, you know, it, it's, it's awesome to be able to talk about the technology, but, but to help put the technology in an operational perspective. Mm-hmm. And so to be able to um, share with folks, have you considered, uh, you know, Bill Conley uh, has his pyramid of, of kind of, you know, you've got the, the strategic, the operational, the tactical, and the technical. And it's not until you can bridge all four of those levels that you truly get a capability Our challenge is that most of us live in one of those uh, levels, and that's what we do. And so we need folks that can bridge and connect the gap. So that's what I'm spending a lot of my time doing. So, for example, uh, talking about uh, cognitive EW, but not doing so within just the narrow uh, EW perspective, but rather stepping back to talk about uh, broader uh, AI, ML, and the entire history of that, and then say, this is where EW fits in. But also being able to draw upon the fact that the synergy that has occurred between Silicon Valley and electronic warfare—what a lot of people don't know—it's great. You know, you can check out the YouTube video, uh, "The Secret History of Silicon Valley" by Steve Blank, where he talks yep. about everything that we see here today really grew out of World War II, but specifically the radar and the things that we call electronic warfare. Yep. So that just—so telling that story inspires folks. It helps connect connects the dots again between the, uh, those levels.
0: And so, and so the set, your session this afternoon, um, I, I believe all of the speakers are, have a, have an Air Force background or at least is related to that. But I, you know, General Gatica, you know, I think that it's important that while it's it's not an Air Force session, it's it's a EMS superiority session that applies to the Joint Force as well as our allies and partners. Could you talk a little bit about how? what the Air Force has done or your perspective um, in terms of how it applies to what you see across the force, the Joint Force, and the changes happening uh, on EMS superiority generally in military operations?
3: Yeah, absolutely. And I think it is, it's is—it's important to see the, the things that we have done in the Air Force. and we And we can speak from that point of expertise because of just what we had done and the advances we'd made. But it's very deliberate on our part when we had started this to say, hey, let's get the Air Force paying attention and then the broader joint force. And when I conducted my out brief to the chief of staff of the Air Force and and many of our four stars at the time from the ECCT, that was a question they had and something that was acknowledged. So you see, we do have those forums that we're a part of. We are deliberately a part of that. When you saw the things that OSD has done um, and some of the EW forums that we have. Uh, together where we come together to talk of these. In fact, during the ECCT, I did have to out-brief the vice chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, as well as uh, the director of ANS as well. So they're very keenly interested in what we we're doing. And in that, we were sharing with the other services and across the department as well. But uh, one of the other members that we have on our panel this afternoon, is Air Commodore Blythe Crawford. And that's yet another example of an important relationship we have with our closest allies and how we work together to do that. And I think if you listen to Colonel Kozlov, he would talk about, too, and Dollar could, of course, explain that, um, the relationships that we have down there at Eglin Air Force Base with many, many of our um, partners and allies that are out there and how we're able to help ensure information and technology.
0: Yeah, well, I, I want to dig into that a little bit because, obviously, the theme of the symposium is advancing EMS superiority through strategic alliances and partnerships. And Absolutely. so the idea is, of course, you know we have international partners, allies, coalitions, No, no no conflict or no war is fought without a coalition in place. So, could you talk about the role of EMS superiority and the and the need for that interoperability, that interchangeability of not just the technology, but the interaction of, of intellectuals and 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 of the human capital piece as well when we talk about partnerships and coalitions around the world. Dollar, I'll turn it over to you. Yeah, I
2: think uh, we can. You can <clears throat> you can point to the the uh, foreign. Uh, foreign military sales and the support that that receives for things like the F-35 from the squadrons down at Eglin. Uh, You can look at the 68th Electronic Warfare Squadron uh, and their support to EW capabilities that have been sold to our partners and ensuring that they have the very best uh, and the the very best support available. Um, As, again, a, a concrete thing that we're doing, um,
0: in, in general, do you have anything to add? To-
3: well, I, I do. I think that it, it's just as you as you look at the, the partnerships that we've had, um, it, during the whole course of that, we had met with leaders from many of our allies to talk about what are you doing you know, with the ECCT and how are you going to share those outcomes with us? And we, we made that deliberately um, or some of that out brief so that we could do that. So we could share the briefing with them and tell them exactly what we've done so they can learn from it. Um, so I think that 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 continues today, um, and, and at the same time, I think that to highlight something else that that was mentioned was when you look at the battlefields and the things that are happening in Europe right now, and our ability to work with a number of partners to say what are you observing and what can we learn from this mm-hmm. so that we can all continue to advance our technology.
2: So uh, you can, can I just yeah, want <clears throat> to I just want to make a I want to build on something that, that General Gada could just mention. <laughs> In no way, shape, or form should anyone ever think that it's only a a one-way transfer of knowledge from us to them. Uh, We learn as much uh, from our partners and teammates (laughs) uh, from them as they learn from, if not more. Um, I think that uh, the um, global explosion of technology... Uh, is not limited to the United States. Now, for, fortunately, we've been blessed as a nation in many cases to get a chance uh, to lead it. But this is not just a, a phenomena that's limited to the United States. There's smart folks. Uh, our partners and allies have amazingly talented and smart folks. Mm-hmm. And so I think part of the, the challenge is uh, how do we work together more effectively And part of that is accepting the intellectual humility Mm -hmm. of we don't have all the answers. And just because we've done it this way, it does not mean that that is the only way that it can be done much less that that's the best way to do it. So I think setting up forums such as this, where we have the opportunities to have, I call them grown-up conversations, Mm -hmm. uh, but free intellectual exchanges. And we just figure it's not about being right, It's about doing right and finding that best solution and being able to, uh, you know, we flew airplanes for a lot of years. And this notion of during the debrief, you check your ego at the door. And so it's not that uh, I I think that's a very, very powerful maxim that um, includes situations like this.
0: There's always the opportunity to learn more and to learn better ways to do things that you might not have been exposed to previously that other people have had that experience and you can learn from that. It's it's a really important message. Um, I wanted to go into a little bit of the uh, technology discussion just briefly. You know, um, know, General, you talked about the the new uh, EA37B now, you Mm -hmm. know, coming on on and uh, with the Compass Call mission, Uh, there's a lot of new technology that's being displayed here at the show. It's very easy to be focused on What's next in line for you know everyone that that that, that panacea that that the golden technology everyone wants, but we have an issue also with having to fight with legacy systems, and I think I think that that's a huge, uh, a, a huge uh, an important conversation to have is how do you maintain the technological advantage the the, the advancement of next general game changing technology, but also with the realization that you have a legacy force that you're going to be fighting with for decades and how you have to up, upgrade those systems and make sure those people are trained both in terms of how to operate the legacy system, but also how to handle and, and engage in a new technology. Uh, Dahl, I'm going to turn it to you first. You know, What is your thought on on how we bridge that gap? Uh,
2: the, the first thing that I think we have to do, and it goes to a bigger challenge, uh, and that is when we say legacy, what do you mean? Uh, So for example, if I take a fourth gen fighter and I put a brand new AESA radar that some of the, Mm -hmm. uh, again, the exhibitors here, it's not PowerPoint, it's real. They've got it today. So if I put that capability, um, if I put that, you know, that AESA radar on a fourth gen platform, is it still legacy? Mm -hmm. And so this, this is one of the things that I I think our number one challenge, if I could do one thing today, right now, um, it's, uh, you know, it's a, Twenty-dollar word, uh, but I would—it's ontology, and an ontology mm-hmm. builds relationship. It shows the relationships between different words because I think our number one problem is we can't communicate. It has mm-hmm. nothing to do with being smart. It's we can't. When I say a word, you may yep. have a different meaning. It's right. a great joke about you know secure the building. Yeah. <laughs> if I say it to Marines, it means one thing. If you I say it to the Army, know. so you've probably seen the cartoon until we address that until we fix that we're going to be limited mm-hmm. and so it's unsexy um, but it is critically important to removing that barrier if we're going to make any progress
3: yeah absolutely i think that's a, a very valid point and I've, i'd say you know having spent the last three years working in the uh, joint cyber arena i would say <laughs> many people would define cyber differently too and maybe mm-hmm. many people in the audience here today as well so, so I think that's a fantastic point. The other point I'd add to it, when you think about technology and advancement of what we would say, you know, legacy, or like I'd say, like to say legendary um, uh, capabilities is it's also has to be informed by, by intelligence. What's on the battlefield? What's there? What are you encountering? What phase are you in? Is this, which environment? And sometimes I think that we talk about having to everything has to have all of the same amazing capabilities um, or some people enter into that discussion. Uh, we just don't have the resources to do that. And so um, we've, we've got to be wiser about how we do apply the technology we have with deliberate intent and purpose. And we wouldn't want to invest a bunch of um, advanced capabilities in something that won't be there um, at, at the opening. But at the same time, we can't neglect it to the point that when they do Come in at whatever point that is uh, that, that they don't have the abilities and capability to survive. Right.
2: And and Ken, let's, let's let's take that just a little bit further because I, I I think one of the things that I don't think we talk enough about is uh, hostile is uh, competition below the level of armed conflict. Absolutely. <laughs> so campaigning is critically important, and and I I totally get it that you know you don't want to lose. You cannot if you get into a fight with a near peer, you can't lose. However, comma, I think you need to be really, really careful of understanding what are the implications beyond just the battlefield of that conflict with a near peer. For example, what does that do to the global supply chain? What does that do to global economics? And 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 I get it; those are uh, quite, those are transcendent questions that um, <clears throat> and that the military operations and play play out within. Uh, But at the end of the day, what does winning look like? Mm -hmm. And so I think once you start there, and and I've said it for years, and I'm going to keep saying it, what is your theory of victory? If you do not have a theory of victory, then how can you make technical assessments? You can't. You have to have a target. And that theory of victory has to be communicated communicated across the the multiple domains and disciplines. And so you remember my four levels that Mm -hmm. I just mentioned, that theory of victory has to translate between those various levels and the experts within that.
3: Yeah, Dollar, I think that's a really important point. And not only because of, um, it's to look at what is also the theory of victory of our adversaries, because I think when they look at the investments that the United States makes into high-end armed conflict, They want to make sure that they don't get there and they can beat us before then and so this is what we talk about the importance of competition and campaigning and you know when i had left 16th air force what my boss would talk about is saying that information warfare was the dominant um, the dominant capability in competition Um, and it's those things that we've talked about isr uh, electromagnetic warfare uh, cyber all of those capabilities that how can you change the battle space how can you change um, the you know the the advantage that you have before you enter competition or, or and instead or before you enter conflict and perhaps you can be uh, the decisive power in crisis so you get to choose if you want to go into conflict or if you want to kind of pull it back into competition very very important and I think. These capabilities are a big
2: part of that. And this is where, again, the electromagnetic spectrum is huge. It Mm -hmm. is the dominant domain. And that's where now I can take that older technology uh, and if I can recompose it. You know, Brian Clark talks a lot about mission integration. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that that is a fascinating um, thrust. He's talking about things like a integration readiness level that Mm -hmm. goes along with a technology readiness level. And so what it's done properly, what it gives us the ability to do is continually add uncertainty to adversaries, and an adversary has to expend the cost to buy down that uncertainty. Mm -hmm. And so if we can add uncertainty at a rate faster than they can buy it down, that, I believe, is a sustainable competitive advantage. And it's founded upon something that we started with, and that was culture and people, because with things like mission-type orders, commander's intent, taken, um, done, taken to their logical end, at the edge, what it gives is that battlefield commander, at the pointy end, the ability to recompose and reconfigure the technology that they had in order to solve today's problems. But also, in so doing, they do so in a way that an adversary has never seen before. So that's where we could start to talk about how we can get after um, pros and challenges to their, art, their, to their investments in artificial intelligence. So here's one for you. How awesome would it be to uh, be able to develop capabilities that thwart adversary investment in AI to a level that they've been able to thwart some of our investments in stealth? Again, you can't totally take it away, but man.
0: But you can make it more challenging yes. for them and, and costly.
2: Yes. Yeah. But that's that's not tech. That's creative use of tech and organizational structures at the same time. So it lives at that intersection.
0: Well, it just it also goes to show when you're talking about competition, it's not just competition from a military perspective. It's, it's connected throughout society, economy, and every level of culture that you have of, of the various countries and peoples involved in that competition. Um,
2: the the lines are
0: blurred today more than they ever have been,
2: and now we're back to the now we're back to why we need an ontology because who who whose job is who's, it to who's do job, that who, whose definition yeah and and yeah. so there's no single organization that you can go to that that does that rather it, it's a multidisciplinary multinational uh, multidisciplinary uh, approach but we can't do that unless we can communicate. Yeah. And so now we're back to, again, this word, uh, this notion of an ontology that allows, when you say the word, what do you mean? Oh, uh, okay, well, I mean something. To, okay, well, we got we to gotta sort that out. Yeah. Lexicon. Lexicon.
3: Yes. Lexicon.
2: <laughs> yes. God be Lexicon.
0: Yeah, well, I, I think that, you know, that ties nicely into, back into your session this afternoon or, this, or later this morning, uh, what, the message that you're going to be carrying. And I know that you actually have a very busy day because you have to get ready for your session. So... Um, I, I, I want to end it there, and so uh, and, and to free you to to, to pursue that. Uh, but I really want to take. I really want to thank you for for taking time out of your busy schedule to sit here with me this morning. Great conversation. Uh, you know, Dollar. Every time I have you on the show, man, our, our listenership just skyrockets. So uh, you know, I, I appreciate your your willingness to always talk talk through this. And General Gator guys, it's great to have you on the show. I hope it's not. I hope it's the first of of, of many times because I think this is a conversation that we have to keep having on a regular basis uh, to really kind of make sure that we're following the steps we need to so we're not coming back five, 10 years later and saying, man, if we had just kept that lesson going. Right. You know, And I think we're on the right path. So thank you, gentlemen, for taking time out and joining me here on From the Crow's Nest.
2: Thank you, you Ken.
0: That will conclude this episode of From the Crow's Nest. I want to thank my guests, AOC Senior Analyst Matt Thompson, as well as retired U.S. Air Force Major General David Gatica and retired U.S. Air Force Colonel William Dollar Young for joining me here to talk about uh, what's going on here on day two from the AOC 2023. Also, I wanna remind you that uh, our other sister podcast, The History of Crows, just released a new episode on Sunday, uh, a couple days ago, detailing the interesting and unique stories behind the founding of the AOC now in its 60th year. So I encourage our listeners to go wherever they download their podcasts and and look for History of Crows and download that episode and listen to it today. It's, it's, It's great stuff. Also, don't forget to review, share, and subscribe to this podcast. We always enjoy hearing from our listeners, so please take some time to let us know how we're doing. Uh, that's it for today. We will be back tomorrow for day three and the final day of AOC 2023. Again, you can follow me on Twitter at FTC and host. Thank you for listening.